Hi everyone, it's great to see you. I'm just on a little bit of a walkabout. It's good to have a change. Uh, the world is facing great change at the moment, but here's the wonderful thing, the kingdom of God, it's unshakable. In Matthew 11, Jesus said this. He said, since the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God has suffered violence. It's been taken by force and forceful or violent men lay hold of it. Now that's not a word to scare us. That Greek word biastus means someone who is eagerly pursuing. That's exciting for us to know. John the Baptist was the prophetic voice, the forerunner, announcing that Jesus was coming and the kingdom of God was at hand. Today, that's us, the church, the prophetic voice of God, announcing to the world the kingdom of God is here and Jesus is coming back. These are the best days to be alive in. These are the days where the church is finding its voice like never before. There are restrictions, sure, but we are resolute. God's kingdom is advancing. We might still be in lockdown, but we are not locked down. There may be restrictions, but the gospel of Jesus Christ is not restricted. And I'm excited for all that God is talking to us about in these days and all that God is taking us into. And God has been talking to us recently very clearly about being prepared. In fact, it's recorded in the Bible, isn't it? Jesus says to us in Matthew chapter 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. What things? Well, the things that we tend to worry about, the things of what we're going to wear, about our life, about what we're going to eat and what we're going to drink. We don't need to worry about those. We need to prioritize the kingdom of God. And besides, Jesus has taken care of all of those things that we might worry about himself. We don't need to worry about what we're going to eat because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, quoting Deuteronomy 8, that man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. We don't need to worry about what we're going to drink because Jesus tells us again in John chapter 4 when he's talking to the lady uh, at the well that earthly water, whoever drinks that water, they'll get thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that Jesus gives them, they will never thirst again. And in fact, that water will itself become a well that will spring forth from their life. And we certainly don't need to worry about what we're going to wear. The Apostle Paul writes to us in Romans 13 and he simply says this, clothe yourself with Christ. You see, the answer to all of those things that we might worry about, what we're going to eat, drink, about our life, what we're going to wear, the answer is Christ Jesus. And when we seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, all of these things are added to us. So the good and obvious question is this, how do we seek first the kingdom of God? Well, let's remind ourselves of something which James Orby told us just two weeks ago. He said this, in order to properly prepare, in order to prioritize the kingdom, we must give the word of God the prominent place in our life. I can hear many of you giving your amen to that. The psalmist writes this in Psalm 138, you, O Lord, have exalted above all things your name and your word. That's Psalm 138, verse two. In Isaiah 40, Isaiah prophesies this, the grass will wither, the flowers will fade, but the word of God will stand forever. The church is a family that loves the word of God. One of the pictures to describe the church in scripture is that the church is the bride and the bride hangs on, dotes upon every word that comes from the mouth of the bridegroom. And his name is Jesus. 
it's time for us to prepare ourselves. And that means giving the Word of God the rightful place in our lives that it deserves. So let me say this really plain. There can be no preparation for us without the Word of God. Trying to live a victorious life as a Christian without reading the Bible, it's crazy. It's like trying to drive down a motorway without taking a single lesson from a driving instructor. It's like trying to compete, competitively compete in a marathon without ever doing a day's training or listening to a coach. It's like trying to breathe without without using your lungs. It doesn't make sense. The Word of God is essential to the believer. For many believers, it becomes really a matter of priority. What do we prioritize in our lives? For me as a young man, that was always my challenge. I don't have enough time to read the Bible, or I, I meant to read today, I, I just ran out of time. I, I'll, I'll do better tomorrow. Hey, I'll read double, or triple, or I'll just do better, okay? But I very quickly came to the conclusion that I always seemed to have time to do the things that I wanted to do. And it dawned on me, painfully so, that the Word of God simply was not a priority in my life. It didn't take the place in my life that it had to. Something in my life had to change. I had to reposition myself. I had to examine what I was giving my time to. Priorities, schedules, relationships, friendship, commitments, everything. I had to examine everything and be prepared to reposition everything in order to give the Word of God the place in my life that it richly deserved. And as I was listening to James, as I began to ponder on what he was saying in the place of God, uh, the place of the Word of God in my life today, the Lord took me to a scripture. Actually, he took me to a whole chapter in Luke chapter 15. In that chapter, Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells three parables. A parable is a story that really just illustrates a lesson. And Jesus tells three of them. There's the parable of the lost sheep, there's the parable of the lost coin, and there's the parable of the lost or the prodigal son. Now, I know and freely admit that all three of those parables are parables that really encourage us about evangelism and mission and reaching out and salvation and pursuing the lost. But to him who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying. You see, as James was talking and I went in my mind to Luke chapter 15, I thought about how all three parables talk about a person's willingness to reposition themselves to either discover or recover something that had been lost to them. The characters involved in that story, they were willing to move in order to get back what was rightfully theirs. And that's a key part for us in becoming prepared, in preparing ourselves, is that we examine our willingness to reposition ourselves in order to get all that God has for us, that we might seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So we have the shepherd who safely leaves the 99 sheep in order to find, to recover the one sheep that had gone astray. We have the father who, even though his son is lost, he repositions himself at the end of the road every day waiting for his son to return. And we have the story of a woman who repositions everything in order to find a coin that was lost to her. And it's this lady, this wonderful lady, who can give us some keys to help us rediscover how we can give the Word of God the prominent place in our lives. Let's recap the story. Bear with me. This is the bit where I go a little bit blurry. 
Jesus said this, What woman, who having ten silver coins, if she loses just one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it, and when she has found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I lost. This is a lady on a mission. She's lost a silver coin. She only had 10, and we're not talking about a coin that was worth 10p, 50p, or a two pound coin. This was a silver coin or a drachma, maybe equivalent to a, an entire day's wages. And it's entirely possible that these 10 silver coins represented all her worldly wealth, all her life savings. And she's lost a tenth, 10%. She's lost a tithe. And we know how important the tithe is. So what does this lady do? it becomes her mission to find it. Everything gets put on hold. All her plans change until she can find what she's looking for. Suddenly, everything else is massively less important to this lady. She has to find this coin. And here's what I really admire about her. She is willing to reposition not only everything in her life, all her appointments, all her schedules, all her plans, all her friendships, until she finds it. She's willing to reposition everything in her home to allow her to find the treasure that she's lost. Think about that for a second. Am I willing to reposition, to readjust everything in my life in order to give the Word of God the place of prominence that it so deserves? Are we willing to readjust everything, reposition everything? Are we prepared to alter our schedules, adjust our plans? Let's ask ourselves that question. Am I willing to reposition everything in my home, everything in my life, in order so that, as James says, so that we can properly prepare to prioritize the kingdom, we rediscover the power of the Word of God in our lives and give it the prominent place in our life. Well, thankfully, this lady, rather than just leaving us with rhetorical questions, by her actions gives us four things, four keys that we can do to help elevate the Word of God in our lives. And the first one is this, she lights a lamp. The psalmist says this about the Word of God. He says, Lord, your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And that is true today. The Word of God illuminates everything. And just as the lady lights a lamp, we should light a lamp as well. The easiest way to do that sounds simple, but we've got to open the Bible. We've got to take the time and open the book. Really? That, that's it? Is that, that, that's what you're telling me? Absolutely. Open it. Try it. Read it. Oh, well, I, I've, try, I've tried before. I, I started well, but I, I, I went off track or I got bogged down when I got to Leviticus. I really enjoyed Genesis, but you know, it's just, I, it's just, I found some of it confusing. I didn't understand it, so I gave up. Friends, lots of people try and give up. Don't be condemned. Jesus doesn't condemn you, but try again. Open the book. Have another go. Try a different reading plan. If you're really stuck and you need some help, get in touch with us. We would love to help you. But if you really want to know what you can do as soon as our time together finishes today, if you've ever uh, struggled to open the book, is turn to Mark chapter 1. Verse 1, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. Take some time, read all about Jesus. Start reading, open the Bible, light a lamp, it'll illuminate everything. The second thing this lady does that we can learn from is this, she sweeps the house. 
This is a complete sweep. She sweeps the entire house, not just a bit of it. This isn't half-hearted. This isn't like a child going into a bedroom, moving one object and saying, I can't find it. Well, which, which actually is what I do as well. This is a thorough sweep of the entire house. Every corner, every nook, every space, moving furniture, lifting furniture, sweeping diligently, methodically. It's a thorough examination of her entire house in order that she might find what was lost. Friends, similarly, we need to be diligent with the Word of God. We need to open the book and read it and enjoy it. Not just half-heartedly opening up the pages, reading the first verse that we see, and then slamming the book, hoping that that one verse is somehow gonna protect us for the day. The lady in this parable set aside time. She changed her plans in order to sweep the entire house. We need to do the same. We've gotta set aside time and space so that we can open the Word and read it diligently. There is no substitute for reading the Word. I say this with all respect, but publications or the, the, the encouraging verse for the day that gets emailed into your inbox, that's not going to sustain you. The verse that somebody shares in Instagram with a nice picture of an ocean in the background, it's just not going to cut it for you. My friends, they are supplemental to, not substitutes for, the Word of God. As helpful as they are, as encouraging as they are, they're not your Bible. The Bible is your Bible. Think about this as well. For the lady in our story, it's a win-win situation. Not only does she recover the treasure that was lost to her, but her house is absolutely spotless. Imagine that for yourself. Imagine that for the church. Not only when we give the Word of God the prominent place in our lives will we be built up and find the treasure that's in the pages ready for us to discover, but actually our house will become clean. Our house will become spotless as it always should be. Here's the third key. It says in verse eight, she searches carefully. I suppose it's similar to the thorough sweep, but it's different in this respect. While that was a meticulous sweeping of the house, searching carefully means and tells us that this lady didn't rush and she didn't have to because she had made it her priority to find the treasure that she was looking for. It can be one of the hardest things to carve out time so that we don't have to rush in the word of God but it's essential that we do all we can to reposition ourselves to make that a reality. I can hear some of you now saying, Dave, I, I, I know that, I want that, but I've got young children. There are days where I literally cannot find 10 minutes for myself. I remember when our children were young, hearing a wonderful lady of the Lord describe that exact same thing that she went through when she had young children. It was a real encouragement to us. She told us how she wouldn't, wasn't able to find 10 minutes to really feast on the word, so she had to learn to snack but that snack would sustain her, you see, because it wasn't about the quantity, just reading and the reading and the reading, it was the quality of what she read. The Bible is not a race to see who can get to the end of the book first. We're to search it carefully, just like the woman in our story. And that's the most amazing thing. You see, it's a matter of the heart. When I give myself to read the Word of God, even if I've only got time, when my children were young, just to read a couple of verses, suddenly a verse can leap out and God can speak to us. That's one of the most exciting and incredible things about reading the Bible. The creator of all, the author of the word, actually speaks directly to us. And when that happens, don't be under pressure to rush ahead. Think about it. Chew it over, that's what it means to meditate on the word of God. Read it aloud, declare it, write it down, share it. As you search carefully, the Word of God will come alive to you.
It says in Proverbs 25 verse 2, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out that matter is the glory of kings. It's our privilege to read the word of God and find the treasure there within. Treasure on every page. Jesus on every page. He's there to be found. The Bible is glorious. It's God's word to us. And for those who'll search carefully, there is treasure. There's the heart of God expressed to us, written on every page, Some, sometimes concealed to be sought out diligently. Other times it's hiding in plain sight. But what I do know is this. Jesus said, if you seek, you will find. Let's search the word of God carefully. Here is the fourth and final key that our friend, this wonderful lady, gives us. It says in verse nine, when she finds the coin, when she finds the treasure, she tells all her friends. Rejoice with me, for I have found the treasure that I have lost. I love that. And I love that because one of the most wonderful things about the Word of God is that you and I have the privilege and the joy of sharing it with others. When we read the Word of God, it's not just for ourselves. It's incredible. There's nothing like it. When you read a verse of scripture and God puts someone on your heart and says, go and tell them, that's gonna encourage them. That's gonna build them up. That's gonna strengthen them. I love it when one of my children will read a, a scripture and say, I don't understand, what does that mean? Or, or Zoe will read something and say, oh, isn't this great? Or we get to life group and someone just says, you know, I read this this week and God put it on my heart just to encourage everyone. Or a preacher preaches a great sermon because God told them something to tell me. That's incredible. The lady in our parable is so overjoyed that she has found again the treasure she'd lost, that she invites all her friends, all her neighbors, and asks them to come and rejoice and hear the story of the treasure that she's found. And friends, that's what the Word of God is for. That's what the Word of God is like. It's for talking about, for reading out loud. It's for singing out loud. It's for encouraging one another with. It's for building up the church. It's there to sharpen one another. It's there to be put into practice. And fantastically, it's for sharing that others who don't know Jesus will come to know him. It's amazing. God is talking to us about being prepared. Let's do that. Let's prioritize the kingdom of God, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, making that our first priority. Let's put that word into practice even today. Let's make the word of God first in our lives. Let's give it the prominent place in our life it so richly deserves. Let's be ready, willing to reposition everything in our lives, in our schedules, in our plans, that we might make time to read God's wonderful word to us. Let's light a lamp. Let's sweep the house. Let's search carefully and let us rejoice with others when we find the treasure within the pages. Let's not hold back. Let's start today. Friends, come on. Let's light a lamp. Let's open the Bible. Let's reposition everything in our lives so that the Word of God can take the prominent place it richly deserves.